speak directly, but today I want to talk about gestures of support and encouragement that I've made to women and some men that have made them uncomfortable. And I always try to be, uh, in my career, I've always tried to make a human connection. That's my responsibility, I think. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and, uh, and whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. And I've never thought of politics as cold and antiseptic. I, I've always thought about connecting with people. Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. As a reminder, this season I am delving into the topic of the man box and the different ways it restricts men from speaking up or acting in the face of gender bias. My first episode this season, entitled Releasing Us All from the Man Box, goes into a bit of detail about what the man box is. So if you haven't listened to that yet or you don't know what the man box is, you might go check that out. Last week's episode, Gaslighting is a Myth, uh, got a bit of a reaction. Um, Spoiler alert, I'm going to talk a little bit about something in that episode, which if you haven't already listened to it, I would encourage you to press pause and go back and listen to it and then come back to this. But I got quite a bit of feedback from mostly women who were really unhappy with Sam and how he approached our conversation about gaslighting until about seven or so minutes into that conversation when he came clean about what he was doing. And he was, as a reminder, trying to gaslight me as we talked about the topic of gaslighting. And it was fantastic to hear the feedback because He clearly got the reaction he was trying to get, which was people experienced gaslighting in the moment and were really impacted by it in a negative way. It also gave people a firsthand look of what it's like to react to a conversation when someone is trying to gaslight you, which I had no idea what was going on at the time. So if you haven't already listened to that uh, episode, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, It's a little spoiled now, but... I think you'll still get something out of it. This week's topic is personal space, and it came up in part because of the narrative around Joe Biden and his touching of women who've complained about uh, him invading their personal space. The intro audio you probably recognized as the statement that he released about that. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether he missed the point and really what personal space means and has that definition changed over time or are we just talking about it more? And this was a really interesting topic for me to take a look at because I, just based on my personal experience, have thought about this from a gendered perspective. That the times when I felt my personal space was invaded was largely in interactions with men, but not entirely. And that made me wonder if it's if it's a male-female thing. Is it a power dynamic? Does it have any connection to the man box? And in delving into this a little bit, what I discovered is that it has a biological component and it's something that has been around forever. So this concept of people's perspective of personal space changing, I think is wrong. I think it's just that women are feeling more comfortable speaking up these days about things that make them uncomfortable. 
For example, there was an article by Simon Worrall entitled, You Need Your Personal Space. Here's the science why your brain uses it to protect you. This was back in January 2018. And he writes, The brain computes a buffer zone around the body, which is very flexible. It changes in size depending on context, computed in a manner that's largely unconscious. We can't help it. It's part of the scaffold of how we interact socially on which all of our social interactions are built. It has a huge impact on the way we react to each other, understand each other, and feel about each other. When you talk about inappropriately touching another person, that is a huge invasion of personal space. It takes relatively special social circumstances before it feels comfortable to be touched by someone. Even just sidling up too close to another person can be an invasion of that personal space. It has a very real impact on people. So I thought this was really interesting because this confirms that there's not really a change in the rules of society. These have always been around. We've always had these buffer zones. It's just a question of really whether they're enforced or discussed. Going back a, a couple years uh, you might recall in 2016, during the election debates, there was this visual of Trump coming up behind Hillary Clinton and really invading her personal space. And after this happened, I remember having a lot of conversations with other women about how creepy that was and just the visceral reaction we all had to seeing that happen to her. And as it turns out, it's a biologically driven warning sign. Sarah Miller, in a life science article, uh, wrote about this, and she said the maintenance of personal space or a zone of defense around the organism appears to be a very basic survival mechanism. She writes, American anthropologist Edward Hall identified four different bubbles to describe the space around a person. The first bubble is considered intimate space and generally is about 18 inches from the body. It's reserved for family and a person's closest friends. The second bubble is personal space, which is one and a half feet to four feet from the body. And that's the space that friends and acquaintances may enter. The third bubble, called social space, goes from about four feet to 12 feet from the body. And that is where interactions with new acquaintances and strangers can take place. And beyond 12 feet is public space, which anyone can enter. So we have four bubbles. We have intimate space, we have personal space, we have social space, and we have public space. I think what's striking about the Biden situation is that when he was touching women and smelling their hair and really getting that close, he was in intimate space. He wasn't even just in personal space. He went beyond that into intimate space, which might be part of what made that so uncomfortable for those women. So Sam and I chatted a bit about personal space this week. One of the things that I enjoy talking with Sam about on this podcast is showing what it's like to talk about these issues. As you might have gathered from our prior conversations, it's not easy, it's not eloquent, we make mistakes, we disagree, but I think we both come away learning something. And we try to bring a perspective that we've heard from others of our gender. We can't capture every perspective, but we do hope that our conversations spur you to have conversations with others and that this will uncover perspectives that we may not know or be able to adequately represent. And we encourage you to let us know. 
it's always helpful to have that feedback and to hear about perspectives that perhaps we missed along the way. So here's my conversation with Sam. I did want to come back to last week's episode because you got a big reaction from our listeners. Mm -hmm. And I was so surprised when I went back and listened to it because in the moment, it just felt weird to me. There's something going on and I couldn't put my finger on it. And when I went back, I was like, man, that was masterful what you did. It must have felt really awkward and uncomfortable. And you did express a little bit of that, but I wanted to hear a little bit about that experience now that we have surprised the listeners with you trying to trick me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think some people might have listened to that episode and not have listened to earlier episodes, so they haven't heard you before. Yeah. And I wanted to just kind of hear, because you sort of took on the worst opinions that women have heard from men about Mm. women or gender equality. How did that feel? Awkward. I was driving over here and I knew I was going to do it. And it occurred to me the night before that if we were going to talk about gaslighting, that that, that, that's, I was like, well, I'm just going to try to gaslight you and, and try to get away with it. And on the way over here... I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. But on, driving over here, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this without you knowing. Yeah. And so while I was doing it, I was choosing my words carefully. I didn't want it to be so transparent that you're like, I know what you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I was throwing you a curveball. And the longer it went on and the more I sensed that you were hanging in there with me and not calling me out on gaslighting you. Yeah, it was it was totally uncomfortable. I couldn't wait to just say, Annie, I'm just kidding. I was, this is what I'm trying to do. How did those opinions feel for you to express? Like, like you were expressing opinions that mm-hmm. women have heard for a long time. And they cut us pretty deep. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious how that feels as a man to say those things. I thought it was, it was interesting because um, I know that's how men feel. And I know that's how this kind of plays out, uh, the conversation plays out, and the, uh, a male opinion, not all men, but a, a male opinion would be, you know, why do we have to stop and talk about our emotions, you know, because mm-hmm. we as men never got that opportunity growing up. So in that respect, it, um, I wouldn't say it felt good, but it was just inhabiting that opinion and um, getting your opinion in real time. Yeah. And to, to, to express that, that I know that some men feel um, was an interesting take, and it's 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 shoes that I haven't filled before. So, kind of inhabiting that opinion was um, uncomfortable, but I was hoping it would kind of be educational. It, I learned something from it for sure. Yeah, it, and it was it was interesting for me because I don't often have men say something that direct to me that contradicts my general beliefs on gender equality. And I probably surround myself with people who um, believe in gender equality and at least, you know, in their private lives, whether they act in ways that are consistent with that or not publicly. Um, And so I haven't had a lot of experience of having that kind of conversation with someone who just threw all these stereotypical male opinions at me. Mm And had to be in the position of trying to defend what I would think to be the right opinion. 
And I think that's a really good thing for men and women both to have to experience to, um, to have the facts and data to back up your position. I liked you a lot better after you, you told me what you're doing though. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Those conversations aren't really had much. I mean, no. now more than ever. Um, it's just, I think people have kind of chosen their side and mm-hmm. kind of circled the wagons. And, um, you know, you talk about, you know, no religion or politics at the table. Uh, and I think that just kind of radiates out to beyond the table. People mm-hmm. are just not having those conversations. So when you ask, like, how did it feel? It felt good just to kind of like be direct, even though it wasn't my opinion. Yeah. I feel like I qualify everything. You know, it's not me, but like, this is kind of like, this is how some men feel. Um, <laughs> it was nice just to dispense with that and just um, throw out the opinions that I know that some men want answers to. Yeah. And right. just to kind of throw it out on the table and, and, and deal with it, throw it at you and see what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, you're an attorney. So, I mean, you, you <laughs> dealt with it as, as an attorney would. <laughs> yeah, probably true. Yeah. Well, so this week I wanted to talk with you about personal boundaries. And this has been in the news cycle with, um, That's a good segue. Yeah, personal boundaries. <laughs> Let's reestablish our personal boundaries. Let's start from scratch, Sam. Um, yeah, the Joe, Joe Biden narrative that's out there right now and, and invading personal space and the male dynamic that plays into that. And, I mean, I, as you know, this season of this podcast, I'm trying to uh, delve into the man box and... Uh, you and I were talking earlier that it's kind of like, I feel like I'm spiraling around the man box topic and it's just, it's the Never same ending. themes are coming up yep. and those themes are, are things like power and power is where I landed on this whole personal boundaries thing. Um, and so I wanted to have a conversation about that because I think it's a tricky space that is not necessarily gender related, not necessarily man box related in some cases, very individual, but I think where there are common themes is around power and what people feel like they have the right to do or they don't even think about because they get to enjoy that power. Mm-hmm. So I can share a story from 25 years ago, maybe. I was a, it was my first legal job. I was an intern at a personal injury law firm, personal injury slash business. There are two partners. I learned a lot. Did they have a billboard? They did not have a billboard, but it did feel a little bit slimy. And I learned that I did not want to be in the personal injury space when I got out of law school. There's a lot of money in that. There is, but not for the legal intern. intern. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I got to wear a suit and I got to actually learn how to practice law, which was good. But I worked in this building on the, I think, 23rd floor. And I was waiting for the elevator. And there there was this older lawyer who worked on my floor, but in a different law firm. So I'd seen him around. Never spoke to him, didn't know his name. Um, And the the elevator doors opened. And I remember he put his hand on my lower back to kind of chivalrously push me or guide me into the elevator. And I remember in that moment thinking that's kind of weird, like that he feels that comfortable putting his hand on me in 
certainly a non-sexual way, but just that personal boundary surprised me that he was comfortable with that. And I think it was a, I'm a um, successful senior partner in a law firm and you clearly are a younger woman. So the power dynamic was such that he didn't even think twice about it. And not that it matters, but he wouldn't <clears throat> have done that to a, a male like intern. Right, might, might he, he wouldn't, have. right? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I didn't live the male experience, but do uh, senior men in whatever profession touch... The small of your back? <laughs> probably not. They would probably... <laughs> their hand would be a little higher. You know, it'd be up yeah. on your shoulder. Kind of like, you go ahead, pat, pat, mm -hmm. you know? But is there, is, is there that kind of freedom for more senior people, for, let's just say, more senior men, mm -hmm. to touch or invade the space of less senior men? Like, does that happen male to male, or is it more, is it more of a gender issue? Not in contact, but the way they treat you, yeah. What do you mean? The same rules don't apply to them. They can speak as freely as they want and mm -hmm. um, degrade you, you know. And, and a lot of times between men, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know. Like uh, we always kind of cut each other up, and it's just sport to men, you know. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to throw you under the bus, and what are you going to do about it? And when you are junior to somebody, you can't really fight back. Like your 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 one of your um, hands is tied behind your back, and that's what... Um, that's what hurts, is that your instinct is to fight back, mm -hmm. and you can't because he's your boss. And so there's that power dynamic between men. So how do you deal with that then? How do you deal with it? Um, you go to lunch with, you know, people who are on the same team, and you you complain about it, mm -hmm. or you just suck it up like we always do and move on. You know, just yeah. that's the way the world is, and if it gets um, if it gets too bad, then you got to go, you know, you got to find another job. And you write it off the first couple times. You're like, okay, ha, 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 you know. But men, if you, don't, if you don't fight back, men feel that they can continue to do it. And, you know, fighting back, uh, you can't really fight back too much, you know. It's not a fair fight. And if yeah. you fight fire with fire within that context, it doesn't work out for you. I found that out the hard way. I had a boss who liked to joke around, and we had a relationship where we joked around a lot. And I don't always see the boundaries that I should see when I'm joking around. <laughs> and That's why we like you. <laughs> Seriously. I made a joke that I would have made with him, with just the two of us, and it would have landed fine. Yes, but there's witnesses. Yep. Exactly, there are witnesses. And I made my joke, which was at his expense, and he looked at me, with a look that I had never seen before. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh my God, I crossed a line. And I was so worried I was gonna be fired. And it was a little cool for a while. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of got back on track, but I realized, okay, there's a boundary there. And I didn't really appreciate at that point that it, that it was a power issue or what you just talked about yeah, yeah. until you said that. Yeah, I just thought, okay, I crossed the line yet again. Mm -hmm. um, note to self, don't joke at work. Yeah. And then I would self-correct in a way of just like, okay, I will be perfectly like unfunny at work and, and there goes do your, my job. There goes your personality. Yeah, you know right. What I mean? And it's not fun for me and yeah. the people who laugh at me. No. So. <laughs> my problem has always been, you know, if I had a boss that will um, 
say something to me and and uh, you know th- think they're trying they're, they're trying to be funny, but it's it's a microaggression or a disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they're only saying it because there are other people around. And they wouldn't say that to me if it was just face to face. If it was a one on one meeting, they 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 treat me with a level of respect that I'm accustomed to. Mm-hmm. But when there's other people around, oftentimes women that they're trying to impress, mm-hmm. they'll they'll say something. I'm like, man, you're only saying that because you have an audience. You're playing to the audience, and I don't I don't dig it because I can't fight back. Yeah. So I'm curious with this discussion about Biden. There's been all this parsing of, well, these aren't Me Too type of uh, incidents. This is just like personal space or um, coming into someone's space when they don't want you to, uh, or he's the grandfather type and he means well. It's all one and the same though, right? It's all cut from the same cloth, don't you think? What do you mean? It's It's all part of it. The man box, you know? It's not at the level of Me Too, but it's the precursors to Me Too. You think so? I think so. I'm not sure. Sorry, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with you in that. I think there are... That's what leads to it all. There are behaviors that are maybe the conti- continuum of well, let me explain. bad behavior. Um, Joe Biden has been uh, a senator for a long, long time, vice president, and now he's getting back into the presidential. Has he announced? No, I don't think so. Okay. I I wonder if he's going to now. Yeah. After Um, he hears our podcast. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He's, he's kind of in hot water right now, but it doesn't sound like he's, um, he's contrite, right? Isn't there, there Mm -hmm. news that he kind of made light of it in, and that's just Joe Biden being Joe Biden, right? Just kind of try to chuckle it off, well, not taking though, full responsibility for it. Is it or is it just a male perspective not understanding what the issue is? Because I think his perspective is, look, my intent was not to hurt anyone right. or make anyone uncomfortable, yes. which centers everything on himself. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, where we have trouble in the workplace and maybe in society generally is people don't think about the other person. Yeah. They don't think about what she is comfortable with or not. They don't think about the impact that his actions has on her. He's just doing what comes natural to him. And I think as a privileged white male, he has had a lifetime of doing whatever he wants without having to consider the impact or the um, how it lands on the other person. And that, that was going to be, that's what I was going to say is that he's, he's been in a position of power for most of his adult life and have, hasn't had many people push back. And if he says something wrong, very few people are going to correct him. Mm-hmm. It seems like he doesn't have a lot of people in his life that have kind of pointed that out to him. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he doesn't feel like he's done anything wrong. No. I mean, he certainly has not apologized for it. No, inside he's like, I would never hurt a woman. Mm -hmm. I would never um, make a woman uncomfortable, knowingly make a woman uncomfortable. Um, But he was just told that he did that. Mm -hmm. And he joked about it. Multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then made a joke of consent. Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate in this time. Yeah. Within... Uh, calendar year of uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, you know, it's like tone deaf, absolutely tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that made me sad. So, getting back to men will continue to do something if they're not told not to, repeatedly. How much do we learn in a vacuum? If 
you don't have people uh, telling you what's what and how what you say and what you're doing makes them feel, um, you're not you're not you're not evolving. You're not learning. You know. Yeah. He's done, Joe Biden's done a lot of good for a lot of different people, and so from his perspective, he's just like, look, I mean throw the truth lasso around me. I'm not out to hurt anybody. One thing that you were talking about is really important, that the rules haven't changed, but the conversation has. And to your point of people not being held responsible for their actions, that's true. Like In the past, there have been millions of women who have had their personal space invaded by someone more senior to them, um, that didn't reach the level of Me Too, and we didn't say anything because we didn't have the power. It was an innocent hand on the lower back, you know, all of these things. Like, you just take one small incident, that's not worth complaining about. Well, what happens when three different men do the same thing or, or have some sort of invasion of your space? Then do you speak up? Well, there's no connection between them. So at, one, at what point do you actually say something? And if you don't have that power, like you were talking about the male interaction with, with other men of, of if someone else has the power, you don't shove it back in their face and say, hey, don't talk to me that way because of that power dynamic. It's the same thing with women. Like you don't say, hey, don't touch my lower back. You're not my husband. Like what gives, you know, mm-hmm. I was a 24 year old. What, what do I know about the world when this 60 year old man touches my back? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say to him, don't touch me. But now I think maybe I should have, right? So there's been this generation of women, for the most part, not speaking up about their personal boundaries. And that gives the impression that it's okay, that the rules are, it's fine for you to touch me in an innocent way. And you can get away with that because there's no expectation that that's wrong. Yeah. And I think what's happening now is we're like the, the Me Too resurgence in 2017 and the act activity that's come up in 2018 has encouraged women to speak up about different things. And I think there's this trend towards, okay, we can now talk about the things that we've put up with for, for years and years and years and explain why it's wrong and you shouldn't do it. But then men are like, well, the rules have changed. Like that, there's this completely different perspective and experience around the same incidents that are happening between men and women. You know, we're just so used to a norm in which men can do whatever they want without consequences Mm -hmm. that when we start calling it out, it's not, oh, you're right, that was wrong. It's, oh, you've changed the rules on me and that's not fair. And so suddenly it's not fair for men (laughs) instead of not being fair for women. What men don't understand is that a small touch on the lower back Um, the way that is interpreted by the woman who's had their boundaries crossed throughout their life, um, it elicits a feeling that of, of being uncomfortable, being threatened to being, um, unacknowledged. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point because it's also, it's not just the power differential of, I have the power so I can touch you if I want to touch you, but it's also a message that. I have more power than you do. And so it's a subtle way of putting women in their place when it happens from a more senior man to a more junior woman. But beyond that, um, men don't understand that, that women 
have been treated um, unfairly up until that up in, up mm -hmm. until that point. Yeah. And um, any type of flirty gesture or touch um, can be. It's like a trigger. It's a trigger. It brings it brings Absolutely. it all up. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, women get triggered, and that's what men don't understand. They do not understand that. Yeah, I I think it's I, I think you're right, and I think that it's it's broader men do not have much insight into the female experience. There was a, a post, I know Better Allies tweeted about it, uh, about uh, some, some advice to men. Like when you are in a hotel and you're going up to your room and there's a man in the elevator and a woman in the elevator, men, please press your floor button before the woman. And when you get, if you happen to be going to the same floor, don't, be chivalrous and let her go first, go first. Because the issue is, as a woman, if you get off on the same floor as a man that you don't know, and you start walking to your room, and he starts walking to his room behind you. It's a, it's a bad dream. It's a nightmare. Yeah. You know? And so I had this um, in the last year. I, I was at this hotel in Southern California, and it was one of those key card where you can't get to your floor without your key. Hmm. And I walked through the lobby, and there were these guys drinking right by the elevator bank. I'm the only one in the elevator bank. I press the button. I get into the elevator, and one of these guys comes in with his drink into the elevator behind me. And he says, will you press floor 11? And I was like, he's asking me to use my card to get him to a particular floor. He was waiting for man or woman who had a card so he could get up to his room because he forgot his or... Yes. That is but not what I thought. No, no, no. no. I, it very I much felt like so. yeah. he was going to follow me to my room. Yeah. And um, and I said, no, you have to use your card to get to your room. This is a card key controlled. And I had not yet used my card. I did not want him to know what floor I was on. And he's like, no, come on. Just be cool. Just, just hit the right floor. Like, it was super uncomfortable. And I said, I'm not going to do it. And I walked out of the elevator. I still had to get to my room. So I walked out of the elevator. And I waited for another elevator. Yeah. And I had to stand there and think, okay, is this guy going to come at me and be angry? Is he going to tell his friends? Am I, am I going to get followed up to my room? Like, it was super uncomfortable, felt yeah. really unsafe. I, I talk about this because I think men don't understand that experience. They don't. And it felt really, really unsafe. They don't. Like, I felt like I was going to be attacked if mm -hmm. I actually hit the floor that he wanted to go to. Yeah. Like, what happens in the elevator? There's a lot of time between floor one and floor 11. Yeah. The, part of the problem with the whole Biden thing is exactly that. Like, he doesn't see the female experience. He has no experience being put in that position. <clears throat> or even understanding. Like, I think one of the problems that we have in equality generally, and not just gender equality, is you don't have to be in someone... You don't have to have experienced something to be able to understand that it could happen to someone else. Right. There's this discussion of, oh, I have daughters now. Now I understand how important it is to have equality in the workplace. Well, mm -hmm. why, why do you have to have daughters to understand? Why can't you just understand? You're talking about empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And Are we back to the man box? Yes. <laughs> men lack empathy. Full stop. I mean, men do lack empathy, even those that have a lot of empathy we still have a lot of blind spots, you know, just looking back on my own life, um, just in hearing you talk about 
elevators and not having your key and kind of following, you know, that type of scenario. I'm sure I've done that, you know, mm-hmm. not the same thing, but just unaware of, of a situation and what might trigger a woman, you know, just completely unaware. I know there are, uh, there are a lot of men that um, if they if they knew it triggered women, they wouldn't do it. They just don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I think for the most part, men have good intentions, and yeah. they like. I'm sure Joe Biden had no intention to hurt any woman or right. offend her or mm-hmm. make her feel uncomfortable. But you know, the road to hell is paved with those intentions. That's why, like the the redefining chivalry, yeah, is um, it's 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 tough for men to understand what's expected of them now and what would be demeaning and, and kind of would come off as paternal mm-hmm. to, to yeah. women, you know, yeah. um, do I hold the door for women anymore? And it's just, no, just hold the door for man or woman. It doesn't yeah, matter who it is, just, mm-hmm. um, that level of, uh, understanding. But beyond that, it's just, um, we're, we're in uncharted waters and there's, there's, there's no playbook and it's not really getting discussed of, yeah. of how we treat one another. So how do we have those discussions or how do we build more empathy? Well, you um, get invited on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you peel the uncomfortable onion week after week. <laughs> Thank you for your willingness to do that. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how do we solve it? I come back to the same solution week after week. You solve it when they're young. Redefine masculinity. Not even like just masculinity. You just define what it is to be a human. Mm-hmm. And just, man, I don't know. Because, like... I like that focus on human mm-hmm. as opposed to male or female. Because I, I do think it, there, there are differences, too. It's not like yeah. you're one or the other. I mean, first, there's the the question of binary, non-binary. But also, I think even for people who identify binary gender, you you have a spectrum of experience mm-hmm. and and no single no one woman is the same as every other woman we have differences based on the experiences that we have yeah and treating people just as humans as opposed to one gender or another gender i think is one step forward but also recognizing that everyone has a different experience and we just we move so fast now that we have to use these shortcuts of oh, this is a man, I'm going to treat him this way, or this is a woman, I'm going to treat her that way, mm-hmm. instead of getting to know each other. Like, we just don't, we don't get to know each other as humans Mm-mm. anymore. Mm-mm. And I think that's the root of a lot of our problems. Yeah. Well, if it comes to empathy, like, I think you're right. It's yeah. an empathy issue. How do we manufacture corrections to people's It comes down to a, a awareness, and men need to be aware that women get triggered. You tell me, women get triggered all the time by men yeah right yeah and men aren't aware of that at all maybe occasionally but um not on the level that uh will affect any type of change yeah i think you're right awareness 
is important. And the way you get there is to actually talk to women about their experience. And that's what was so disappointing about Joe Biden. Like yeah. people are telling him it made me uncomfortable and he made light of it. His intentions, the way he puts it, were pure. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to make somebody uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he thought that was enough to kind of move on from it. But it didn't show any type of like self-reflection at all. It's also, I think, opening your mind to the possibility that someone else's experience, which is different than what your experience would be in the same shoes, is valid. Because mm -hmm. like, what, what I think Biden was saying was, well, because I didn't intend anything nefarious, then she shouldn't have felt bad. But, but women, the women... fact was she did feel bad and he couldn't, I think, wrap his head around, yeah. giving him benefit of the doubt here, couldn't wrap his head around the fact that he might not have felt uncomfortable in her shoes, but that's because there's a different power dynamic and yeah. different experience. And up women, to that point. women don't know your motives. They no, don't have a window no. into your soul. I mean, just because Joe Biden knows every note he's ever played in his life doesn't mean that the woman, women know where he's coming from, mm -hmm. what his motivations are, who he is. You know. Yeah. I worry that this discussion then gets back to the whole. Oh well, now I can't talk to women at work. I can't you know, touch someone on the shoulder because she's going to be offended. That's exactly what we, sh we should be saying, right? Yeah. Don't, don't touch, you know, guys, yeah. hands off. So I wouldn't go that far. And this may be because I'm more of a touchy person at work than some other people, but I think, and I do think that human touch is important yeah. in an appropriate way. Yeah. But each person's different. I have a very different... Um, tactile interaction with everybody I work with. Like some people, I don't think we've ever had any contact other than maybe a handshake at the beginning yeah. of the job. With other people, like one of my coworkers, she and I hug like every Monday morning um, and other times and there's high fives and there's, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, we, we've established that slowly mm -hmm. and I think that's the key. I think we should start out with a boundary and you only like you approach that boundary very carefully and slowly. And as you get to know people, maybe that boundary crumbles a little bit mm -hmm. and you fist bump or you handshake or you high five or whatever. But it should be something that both sides approach with care and deliberation and empathy. I have a, I have a question. Um, should men let the woman lead I don't think that men need to let women lead. I think men just need to pay attention. So the reason why I ask is because uh, you know when I've worked with women in the past and say they get another job and it's their last day, I've always asked, well, when they say goodbye and it's uh -huh. we're in like a group setting, uh -huh. I will say, well, can I give you a hug? Yeah. Rather than just going in and giving her a hug, but I'm thinking now, like, does that put that woman on? We're getting into the weeds of this, but it's it's a tr it's a real genuine question. Am I putting the woman? Uh, um, no, you're asking for consent. I'm not. I know, but am I putting them on a, on the spot? Like, because there's an audience. I'm like, well, can I give you a hug? Whether they want to or not, they're kind of like put on the spot. Kind of like, okay, yeah, you, yeah, I could, you can give me a hug. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's la there's yeah. layers to it. There are layers. It depends on the workplace. It depends on the group dynamic. It depends on pa past interactions with her. Right. 
So the reason why I asked, like, should I just, should men just let the woman lead is because I started, it occurred to me that I was just like, well, I'm, I'm kind of putting them on, like, what are they going to say? No. Like the last day they're going to another job and be like, actually, no, Sam, I've worked with you for three, three years. I don't want a hug. You know what I mean? They're kind of compelled to give me a hug because I've asked for it, you know, and like the same reason why yeah, you haven't yeah. spoken up when the guy put, oh, when yeah. the, when the, in the elevator, put mm-hmm. his hand on the small of your back. Yeah. Same reason that a woman would not speak up and be like, actually, yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I'm not a hugger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think just approaching let... it conservatively is not a bad mm-hmm. idea, whether that's letting the woman lead or just being like taking cues, taking cues from how you've interacted before. Right. And I think also it's important to have a dialogue, like be able to talk about it and ask about her experience and did this make you uncomfortable or mm. is there anything I've done that's made you uncomfortable in a way of not like I'm going to oust you from the company yeah. if you say yes, but having conversations, building a foundation so that it's okay for her, like she feels okay to say, no, I don't want to, I'm not a, I don't like to hug people. I think I've made the decision that I'm just going to, in that context, to just, you know, let a woman lead. Yeah. And if she comes in for a hug, I'll give yeah. her a hug, but right. I'm not going to ask for it. Yeah, I think and, that's fine. And just kind of yeah, just accept whatever interaction mm-hmm. happens. You know? You've convinced me. Let women lead. What? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe for women, it's, it's choosing those moments of when to speak up, when you feel like it's not going to have a negative impact on you, where you can start to reinforce the message of what's appropriate and what's mm-hmm. not. So I hope you enjoy that. This is a really difficult topic, and I think in part because it's so personal to people, and every person is different in how they interact with others and the amount of personal space they want. I struggle a bit with this topic, and I think Sam and I disagree a bit. Um, I totally understand where he is coming from and wanting to respect other people's personal space, and I think that's great. The Where I struggle is... Ironically, I think the same way that Biden struggles, which is that I believe human connection is really important and um, human touches is a critical part of that. And so I think my challenge is similar to Biden's challenge, which is to be aware of when that uh, personal space is something that we're invited into um, as opposed to invading that personal space. And so I do think that approaching the the concept of personal space carefully is important and everybody should put some thought into how they approach other people and is that contact or proximity comfortable for the other person. So to sum up a few of the solutions that we tried to come up with today, recognize that everyone is unique and has a different experience primarily for men, learn about women's experience, like what might be a trigger, like the elevator episode, um, or just another uncomfortable experience for women. But try to understand the daily experience that women have and the, the dangers that we encounter and how you can perhaps alleviate some of that danger. For women, I think we really need to speak up more when something makes us uncomfortable. And this is very circumstance-driven. 
And it's not every occasion where we can or even should speak up because the conversation could just constantly be get out of my space. But I do think that we need to have more of a conversation about personal space and help others understand where those boundaries are. And learning how to have these kinds of conversations with each other, I think, is really important. I think one of the hardest but probably most important things is learning how to have these conversations. So as Sam illustrated in the example of asking if he could give someone a hug, like my first reaction was, that's great. You're, you're asking for permission. But what he teased out of that conversation is that sometimes the circumstances are such that the person doesn't really have a choice. And we've talked about this before in other circumstances. So finding a way to have a conversation where you can actually get to the other person's comfort level and honesty, I think is important and really difficult to tease out. So hopefully the conversation that Sam and I had on this episode will help you um, kind of approach some of those conversations. Finally, I, I wanted to end with... So, uh, the concept that came out of Simon Worrell's article that special social circumstances make it okay to enter someone's personal space. And I think it's important to be aware of that, that it, it is a very special circumstance that invites someone in. And because of that, we need to be aware of when those circumstances come up and approach personal boundaries with caution. So I hope this encourages you to have more of these conversations. If you have other thoughts on this or experiences, or if we miss something, please let me know. You can email me at unravelingpink at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at unravelingpink. We'll be back next week with another topic. Thanks for listening. <laughs>